might be a good time to play the last video on the list, please, if that's okay. Cool, just as we're taking up the offering to encourage us as well. You belong to God. And he then made Pastor you. Steve will come up. You exist for Him. The unwasted life is the life that puts Christ on display as supremely valuable. A God-centered theology has to be a missionary theology. There are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to missions. Zealous goers, zealous senders, and disobedient. The reason we go is because we have the absolute confidence that the one in whose name we go has all authority, therefore nothing can stop him. The need of the nations who do not know the name of Jesus is an immeasurable need. It's an infinite need. 2.6 billion people live in unreached people groups. seems to be woven into the very fabric of our consumer culture that we move toward comfort, toward security, toward ease, toward safety, away from stress, away from trouble, away from danger, and it ought to be exactly the opposite. Very good. Very good. Come on. There we go. Good morning, everybody. How are we? Um, where are you, Sandy? There. Gotcha. Who knows that that entire trip, all of that money that Sandy and Luke spent, that entire uh, opportunity to share um, their life, their skill, their ability, um, their education with some of the most poorest people you could ever imagine was worth it for those three souls it was worth it for those three souls Paul made tents so that he could go and share the gospel what can you do so that you can go and share the gospel Sandy has had a lifetime of education and now she's putting that to work in any way that she can find to go and help people in their poverty. Love will always open a door for the gospel. I'm going to pray for that church. Why don't you pray with me? Let's stand to our feet. Father God, that little church in a little village in a place called Nepal, we just lift that church to you right now. We lift the pastor and his team, his family to you right now. We thank you for the faithfulness that they have put in. Lord, we speak a season of fruitfulness over their life because the gospel is being shared. We declare right now in the name of Jesus that those three people that came to Christ will fire on all cylinders for Jesus. That they would understand the gospel and nothing would hinder them and they would take it into their community and that they would see, Lord God, people's lives transformed we thank you lord god for those who plant seeds we thank you lord god for those who water the seeds and right now we thank you even more lord god because you are the one that causes the seed to grow 
We speak revival in that village, Lord God. And we declare your spirit to be at work and move amongst those people. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh God's people said, Amen. 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 Worth it for three people. You've got to know that, people. You've got to know that it's worth crossing the oceans for one soul. You've got to know that the cost is worth it if there is one to come to salvation. If not, what are we doing here? Are we all just comfortable being in our own seats? We've got to know it's worth it for one soul. I've got a topic that's been given to me today called sharing God. And I actually, I just want to take it simple for you today. You allow me to take it simple? Even if I get too far out of the sphere of simple, I want you to say, Steve, pull it back. All right. Because it's got to be simple. I grew up with three brothers. Anyone here like that? Three brothers? Yeah, three brothers is a good pizza sauce. Or t- pasta sauce. No, that's five brothers, I think, anyway. I grew up with three brothers. And the four of us, we were really close. We were so close that we fought all the time. Right? Yeah, you know, you know you're really close when you're fighting with your brothers and sisters, yeah? We fought over everything. And uh, it was almost constantly my poor mum. In our home, our poor mum copped the brunt of it all as dad was working very long hours on the farm. Years on, we're all still very close, but I thank God that we no longer fight the way we did. The way our relationship seems to be now, if if one is in trouble, if one is in need, if one needs help, um, they were all there to help out. And uh, I love that about family. I really do love that about family. When you grow together, when you grow up and you have your own families, um, which is the picture of the church, by the way, when one needs help, uh, you all pitch in and help out. My youngest brothers, interestingly, they're twins. They're still the closest of us all. And they're in each other's pockets almost daily. They live with one another almost, even though they live on other sides of the city. They're, they're constantly with each other, encouraging each other and stirring each other and playing around with each other, like the microphone at the moment. Good job, bro. You're right. Play around with it. It's uh, giving us grief. If not, I'll go to the handheld, so it's up to you. They're similar in interests, which is why that they are so close. Whereas you look at me and them, we don't necessarily have the same interests. But we've got one interest, and that's love. We've got one interest, which is family. We've got one interest, and that is we can come together and share a meal. Our parents, they do a faithful job, don't they? They, they do uh, a wonderful job. Who remembers growing up and learning many lessons from their parents? How to eat. That was a good lesson to learn. Yep. How to clean up. That was an even better one, because when you learn to eat, you make a lot of mess. Trust me, I've got a two-year-old pre-two-year-old how to wait learning patience was a good one yeah you want to learn patience go to dream world in the school holidays you'll learn patience yeah Um, how to play fair that was another good one that's why we used to fight because we never knew how to what we did we were learning how to play fair Um, i remember this one day my older brother who 
who, who kind of didn't like me sometimes. I think he was a little bit jealous. Um, but that's all right because we're good now. He, I'll just bring up a story from the past. He was outside playing with a ball. And uh, this one day I wanted to go out and play with him and he wouldn't let me come out. And every time I opened the door, he'd peg the ball at me as hard as he could. And he was four years older than me, so it was pretty hard. You know, he's almost, he's a preteen and he was throwing it very, very hard. And, and uh, I remember walking out and he hit me real hard in the shoulder and gosh, it hurt. And I remember running and crying to mum and then it was just sort of the same thing to, uh, to uh, propel his view of me. I was just a whiner that always went and complained to mum, right? We learned how to wait. Mum was like, when he calms down, when he, when he wants to be with you, he'll let you go outside. He never let me go outside that day. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, like brothers and sisters, they teach us lots of things, but our parents, they teach us so much more. Amen? One of the greatest lessons our parents teach us as children, and, you know, sometimes they have to remind us as adults when we grow up, is how to share. You remember being taught how to share? My dad taught me this way. He'd, uh, he'd buy a packet of Lifesavers or a packet of Pascals. Who remembers the old Pascals? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that was like yours. It was a little bit, little bit of a gift. But it always came with a string attached. He could ask for as many as he wanted at any time. You see, I think about that and I'm like, wow, okay. That's a good way to learn how to share, isn't it? Dad bought them for me. He showed me how to share. He was generous in giving them to me. But he at any time had the right to trump me and say, can I have one, please? He never took the whole pack, thanks God. But I always had the question, how come no one ever wanted to share my peas? <laughs> Think about it. No one ever wants to share my peas. Another funny story about my brother. Sorry, I'm just having all these flashbacks while we're up here. Um, when we were really young, he used to go and... I think I was only a little one. But uh, he used to go and sit in the lounge room to eat his dinner, watching TV. Because I don't know why. Mum, mum was probably had her hands full. She was probably pr seven months pregnant with two, two kids in there. And, and I was 20 months old. So, I mean, she had her hands full. So Mike used to sit in front of the TV. And uh, mum was moving the TV one day to, while she was vacuuming. Uh, you're supposed to do that, I think. Thank God mine's on the wall now. You don't have to move it. And, and mum was, she was probably doing the mum lunges as she was doing the vacuuming. Yeah. To keep fit. Yeah. Anyway, she moves the, vac the TV this one day. You know what she found behind the TV? Peas, yeah. <laughs> About a week's worth of peas. Mike was scraping the peas behind the TV and hiding them. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine the mice, they even left them too. It was funny. <coughs> anyway, I eat peas now, everyone. Mum taught me how to eat peas because she kept me <laughs> eating them every night. Very good. But they teach you to share. Amen? We, won't, we weren't always the best sharers as boys. Uh, if you think about it, you're not always the best sharers even today. Every child needs to be taught to share, to have an open heart and to be generous. If left to our own ways, we become selfish greedy and insular is that true parents see the need and for the most part teach their children's from a young age to share this is one story in one samuel where david who being followed by his 600 men had to teach these grown men how to share it's interesting grown men 
and he had to teach them something. It's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 30. You can turn there if you like. And it shows us that sharing does not come natural in a broken world. But I put the broken world on there for a reason. Because as Christians, we're no longer broken. Which means we should know the lesson of what it is to share. We should know the lesson of what it is to be generous, to be giving, to be loving, to go over and above our own capacity because we serve a good God. 1 Samuel chapter 30 is a story where the city of Ziglag was invaded by the Amalekites. And you know what they did? They did everything that all good raiding parties do. They carried off all of their goods, all of their herds, all of their precious things, including their wives and children. Good raiding party. They were taught well. The reaction of the followers of David was very immature. They blamed David. Quite simple. We, we do that all the time. If the, if the finances are going down, we blame the boss. If church is not going well, we blame the boss. If um, you know, my family is in the gutter, we blame the boss. Who's the boss? Well, whoever's leading them at the time. Like we do that in all things. It's, it's, not a, it's not an uncommon thing to blame the person at the top of the chain. And that's all these guys were doing. They lost their wives. They'd lost their children. They'd lost all of their wealth. So they did what comes naturally in a broken world. They blame David, their leader. Faithful men who were serving him, and yet they blamed him. David's reaction was very crucial because verse 6 in that chapter says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord. You might have got the blame for something in your life. You know, that's okay that you got the blame. Look at King David. He wasn't even king here. And he gets the blame. And he takes it to the Lord and he strengthens himself in the Lord. He gets on his knees and he weeps to God. A very simple picture of prayer. God, I, Moses did it. Lord, how do I lead all of these people? How do I feed them? How do I give them water? Like We do it. We should do it in our own lives. Whatever area of influence you have, you would have copped the blame for something in your life. Don't take that on board. Take it to the one who empowers you to overcome. You see, learn those lessons and the principles of the word. So David inquired of the Lord whether to pursue these thieves. And the Lord answered in his favor. Right, it's on. The battle's on. Roll up the sleeves. Let's go and get these guys, you know. 400 men went with David of his 600 warriors. Why is that? It was quite simple. The other 200 were exhausted. They'd been out doing their own stuff together conquering and wielding the sword and fighting the battles and carrying all the loot that they've been coming 
So 200 were exhausted. It's okay sometimes to be exhausted. These 200 stayed behind to do something that was really, really wise. Guard the loot. And so the Amalekites couldn't come back and get it. It was very simple. But David let them stay. And as they started, they marched off to find the Amalekites. They found a servant of the Amalekites along the road. They fed him. They gave him water. And this man favorably led them to the camp of the Amalekites who had raided Siklag. Let's pick up from verse 15. Let me read to you from the word this morning. And David said to him, Can you take me down to this troop? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of the master. That's a wise servant, eh? Think about it. <laughs> He's not going to put his neck out for anybody. Swear to me, he says. Verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Wow, more than 24 hours. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. I don't advocate that, okay? That's just Old Testament. Just remember that. But David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered it all. Isn't it interesting? With great leadership, you might cop the blame. But with great leadership, you also cop the reward. Okay? Think about it. You make the right decision. You get down on your knees. You serve God. And He will exalt you. He will lift you up in due time. David restored. Then David took all the flocks and herds and had, they had driven the, before those other livestock and said, This is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary that they could not follow him. Whom they, had, or whom they also had made to stay at the brook Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. Who thinks that's pretty fair? You're not going to be bold enough today to say that, are you? Come on, there's got to be one of you out there that thinks it's pretty fair. They didn't do the work. Why do they deserve the spoil? There you go, I've got two down the back. All right, I've got an auction going on. Any more? Raise on two. Anyway, but think about it, right? They didn't do the work. They didn't go and fight the battle. They didn't win back the loot. They didn't win back the family and loved ones. 
It doesn't seem all that wicked to say that they don't get any of the spoils. But what did the Bible say? The wicked men with David said. Hmm, interesting. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share alike. So it was from that day forward, he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Do you note something there? Let's not hold back that which the Lord has given, supplied. You see, David knew very, very well. Hmm. Oh, that reminds me. I've got time. I'm going to speak a little bit longer today, but I've got time. I'm a little bit scared. I'm a little bit anxious. I'm a little bit worried. Is that all right? It's not really, but I've got something in my office I need. I've got to go and get it. But you can hear me because I've still got the microphone on, all right? So, but I've got to get something out of my office because I'm a bit worried about it. Is that all right? Hello, Ruth. You know, I remembered something too while I'm thinking about it and getting what I'm, I remembered. Pastor Jeremy Campbell over in Narendra has invited us next Sunday night. Next Sunday night to join them for service at 6 p.m. So you remember that? 6 p.m. next Sunday night. They've got a guest speaker down from Brisbane. And uh, he's going to... Can you hold this for me? I'm a bit scared about it. It's more important than your purse. Come on. Can you hold that for me? Thanks. Jeremy Campbell's invited... No, no, it's all right there. Don't touch it. Um, yeah, Jeremy Campbell's invited us to go over to Narandra next week. All right, this is just an advertisement to break it up for you. Uh, Pastor Jeremy's, they're, they're having like, I think it's October Power Month or something. I'll tell you what it is. I've got it here. I've got it here. If I can find my phone. Here we go. I got this text message yesterday, so sorry it's not up on the slides, but oh, it's a good break. Okay, it says, we'd love you to be a part of our outpour in October. All right, the keynote speaker is Pastor Fred Porter from Humble Beginnings in 2014. Fred is a founding pastor of Kingdom Culture Church, which is now a thriving congregation in Brisbane. Pastor Fred and his wife Anna are passionate about reaching the lost and seeing them shape their life on God's truth. Fred has a heart to advance the kingdom of God by attracting non-believers to Christ and equipping them to fulfill their God-given potential. Fred and wife Anna are youth and young adult pastors at KCC and are an integral part of the KCC family. So that's next week, all right? Put that down in your diary. I think it'll be awesome. I'll just double-check the time. October, next Sunday, we have a guest speaker. Yep. So, more than welcome. I'm sure we'll get the bus going over if you're interested. Okay, we're back on. You watch that box. Don't let it out of your sight. Don't even get up and go to the toilet. Uh, just making sure she understands, okay? There's something very special in there for me. So, can I have the slides up, guys? Oh, it's up. These guys, they just know. 
We must have been sure. So it's missions month, yeah? So back on, fa- on track, we'll be focused. And I've, gi- I've been given this topic of sharing God uh, for this week. Hence the segue about sharing. Okay? And uh, one would assume, if you were anything like me, that each of us had a parent or a significant role model like David in our life who taught us to share. We share so many things in life, but one thing we can never really take for granted is this. Better turn myself on. Not every Christian has been taught to share Jesus. There are many Christians walking around, there are many Christians sitting in the seats in church who don't know that it's their role to share the gospel. But we must all see that the important fact is each of us are called to share of what we've been given. Each of us have been called to share the gospel. Sometimes we are all well-meaning Christians. We desire to, but don't necessarily know how to. Other times we start of we start off our journey so well in Jesus, but then something happens and and it takes the joy of Christ away in our life. And we neglect the importance of sharing the gospel. We then go into protect mode, like those men of David who didn't want to share the spoils of war and the blessings of God. For others, we create in our own minds a stronghold or strong dogmas as to why I don't need to share Jesus. I mean, isn't God big enough? Can't He just show up at any moment and everyone would fall down on their knees? It, isn't it about predestination? God's will? Those whom, he's ser- whom He has chosen to be saved? So if He's chosen them to be saved, can't He save them? They're the strongholds that keep us comfortable in our seats when it comes to sharing our faith in the gospel. There's more, but we don't need to go into them. Because yes, God is big enough, but He chooses to limit Himself to people like us. It's His choice to limit Himself to work through you. That is a privilege, not a burden. And when we change our mindsets around that, we come to understand. We hear these things like evangelism is God's work. Yes, it is a major role of the Holy Spirit to draw men unto Jesus. But to say that it is solely the work of God is in itself an untruth. In fact, God's work in evangelism is greater than we actually understand. I want to make this fairly plain and simple, like I said at the start. Firstly, the Father, God, the Creator of the universe, sent His only Son to the world because of a motive of love. Did He not? I'm sure you can throw a scripture at me. It tells me how much God loved you. 
How's my safe going? I think I need to check it. She did. I think I need to make sure it's all right. I didn't hear the beep, so it's still locked. So God sent forth his son. The second, the son taught things. He instructed, he led by example, and he laid down his life for the lost. You think about missions. You think about sharing the gospel. You think about crossing the seas and setting up a medical clinic. What are you doing? You're revealing the son who would lay down his life for the one. Jesus talks about he would leave 99 sheep to go and find the one who was lost. That one is worth it. And then point three. My points are really quick today. Holy Spirit was sent to empower all of Jesus' disciples. Are you a disciple? Or are you a believer? Your disciple? Are you sold out to following the one who laid down everything for you? Because he sent his Holy Spirit to you to share the fullness of the kingdom in faith and power. It's funny how power only works when we open our mouth. Jesus was seen to have authority and power because of the way he taught and healed. Acts 1.8, very classic scripture, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. You could put Griffith and Yenda and Barellan and New South Wales and Australia and to the ends of the earth into that passage. But he gave the Holy Spirit that you would be his witnesses. What is a witness? Someone who testifies Someone who gives evidence of. Someone who shares of something that either they've seen with their own eyes or they believe with the integrity of their own heart to be true. We have an indispensable part to play. We see from Acts that the Holy Spirit is given to minister in power for the effective witness of Jesus. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says it this way. I love what Jesus did here. He sends his disciples out and he says this, even before the Spirit has come, but he says, all right, I'm here. You go in my grace, you go in my power. He says this, and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. He's talking about setting the oppressed free. I think that was a very generous thing to say when he sent them out. But I often think there's, Two types of people. That video said there was three types of people. One who, remember the video? It said one who goes, one who sends, and one who's disobedient. Yeah? So I'm going to put the go and the sending together because that's missional. The other one is disobedient. But there's two types of people. And I generally see these people, and I put myself into one category, and you might put yourself into one category or the other. So I'll let you do this. And and I'm not drawing from that video. I'm not saying that one's obedient, one's not. What I'm saying in this is there's two types of people when it comes to sharing your faith. All right? 
and I'm one of them, then there's another guy that's another one. One is as bold as brass when it comes to share the gospel. And others in the other camp who seem to let their lives do more of the talking. The old saying, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Was accredited to Francis of Assisi. It's not actually true. He didn't say that at all. But it's more of a crux for people like that, like me, who want to let their life share the gospel. It's more of a, a way of justifying that we're not preaching and we're not sharing the gospel with those. We're not speaking the gospel in their lives. And it's a way that we cover up our own shyness and our own insecurity. Okay? But you see, Jesus came to set us free of shyness and insecurity. So really, there should only be one kind of Christian. We might not all be as bold as brass like the evangelist. But we all should be confident in the very fact that Jesus wants us to share. It's okay. I don't think it is. I'm really not sure about that. Jamie, can you give me that chair, please? I've got to keep an eye on this. Quick. It's heavy. Thank you. Give him a clap, please. Please give Janitas a clap because she was really looking after it. You know, I don't want to undermine her at all. She's done a, you've done a good job, all right? I just don't quite trust you with that. In my life, I give you my daughter, but I don't trust you with that, all right? Don't, don't sass me. You know, I'm a bit of a late bloomer when it comes to sharing the gospel. I'm pretty old now, okay? <laughs> I've worked very hard to get to this place where I can confidently share here at the pulpit and still nervously share one-on-one, -on -one, okay? I, I, I've worked really hard so I can stand here and tell people the love of Jesus and that God would send His only Son I've worked extremely hard to overcome the very shyness that is within me, all by the grace of God. But you send me out cold calling on people, I am as nervous as anything. But it's the most important thing that I can do. Because it throws me into a place where I'm totally dependent upon God. Totally dependent upon God. You know, when I do, I get such a rush. You know why? Because I had that guy live with me for 12 months or more. You want to you wanna get a passion for sharing the gospel? You hang around some evangelists. Now, I might have rubbed off on him a little bit pastorally, but you know what? He's all the better for it, and I'm all the better for it. But then there's this guy. I can't stop this guy's boldness. Have a listen to this. Put some music, some sound on there. Hey, what's up, Life Source Church? It's Angus here. This is Pugsy. And this is Aaron. Coming to you from Adelaide. 
I want to talk to you about a situation that happened a couple of nights ago. It was really cool. So I uh, left the conference uh, to go to the bathroom. I came out and there was a guy standing sort of like outside the conference. He's just kind of moving his back real weird. And I walked over to him and said hi and asked him what was wrong with his back. He was saying that he'd had a, an industrial accident. Um, and he'd actually gotten this um, chemical burn on his back that was affecting the way his... Um, his back was functioning. So I asked if I could pray for him. So I put my hand on his back and I just declared God's healing over his back and instantly, completely healed. Mm. That gave me an opportunity to um, to speak to him a little bit more and just explain to him exactly what happened. And this guy was like, man, you know, why stop there? Like, let's, can you pray for something else? I was like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's do it. So he asked if I could pray for, you know, uh, something that was happening in his life. He didn't tell me what it was. And I was like, yeah, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for it. So I started praying and I got this this prophecy and I, I spoke it over him. And this guy was like, man, how do you know that? And he's like, you know, does that happen? Like if, if you touch someone else's shoulder, like can you just know about their thoughts as well? I was like, man, it's not about touching your shoulder, man. Like that's something that God told me. And I just had the faith to speak it out. And the amazing thing is that healing and that prophecy actually opened up an opportunity for me to ask him if he had a relationship with Christ. He didn't. And right there outside the conference, when I I was probably supposed to be in there listening to the service, I actually brought him to Christ. Woo! So what I wanted to encourage you guys with is look for any opportunity. Absolutely any opportunity. When they were there um, you know, in, um, in Acts, when the day of Pentecost came, they weren't expecting it. They just saw the opportunity and they went with it. Fire out, look what happened now. Alright, God bless Life Source. Peace out. I'll leave him up there for a little while. <laughs> Guys like Angus used to intimidate me. Because I was that insecure, that shy person. Yeah, I think I'm speaking to a couple of people here, yeah? Are you that insecure, that shy person that... that, that doesn't feel you've quite got it all together and you couldn't do something like that hang out with people like that get into the word of god and let it challenge your heart for the lost and you'll overcome your insecurities pretty quickly because that's what the holy spirit does in our life and you could be just as bold as that walk up to someone you've never met and just share the love of jesus with them Holy Spirit comes to lead us in all triumph. We are to actually get over ourselves and share the best thing that has ever happened to us, believing it will happen to them also. This is our challenge to take home. Jesus said this, You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven.
still can't see it. I'm getting a bit bolder though. Because I want you to see it now. Jesus and his disciples are our example when it comes to sharing the gospel. Jesus sent them in power. There's another story, Matthew 9, 9 to 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. I'm not going to read the rest of that. You can if you feel like it. But Jesus said to the one man sitting in the tax booth, the most despised person in that town he said to that one man come follow me and that one man puts on a spread for him that night that one man changes his life completely and becomes a disciple of jesus as little christs as followers of jesus as ones who are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven you have the same authority to look at someone and say, come follow me, for I follow Christ. That's what Paul did. That's what Paul did. If you don't have the boldness to say to someone, Jesus died for your sins to set you free, maybe you can say, follow me and learn of me until I can say, Jesus will set you free. Look for the opportunities. Jesus sat amongst, this, this passage of scripture, Jesus sits amongst the sinners of the day. Within that party, within that feast, he is sitting there and he is despised by the religious of the day for it. He sits there because he could. Many of us, and this is the lesson from this passage, many of us as younger Christians have tried with all the best intentions in the world to bring our friends to Jesus, only failing because our lives had not been fully conformed to His. We try to do it in our own strength. We try to show them us when we should be showing them Jesus. This has left a sour taste in our lives and we have said in our hearts that evangelism is not for me. Let the evangelist do it. Let Angus go and do it. Let Jamie go and do it. Let Jacob and Felix do it down at Barnabas' house. Don't, I don't want to get uncomfortable. Why should I make myself uncomfortable? Because I failed in the past. But through failure, we learn. It's an experience that we'll always remember. We shouldn't run from it. Sharing our faith should not stop just because we feel or just because we, we did fail. We shouldn't leave our faith because of it. Reality is your friends, family, loved ones will never get the best evangelist on the planet to turn up at their house. The reality is Reinhard Bonnke will not move in to your brother's house and share the gospel. That's the reality. But you carry the same Jesus that he carries 
A Jew should have the very same measure of faith that he has because that's from Jesus as well. What is it? It's our insecurities that hold us back. It's our past failures that hold us back. It's our vision of who we are in the light of who they are that holds us back. When we sit at the feet of Jesus and learn of His humble heart, we too can sit amongst the sinners and no longer be led astray. When we hear from Jesus who we truly are, loved by God, chosen to be His dear child, adopted into His family, co-heirs with Him on the kingdom or in the kingdom and on seated with Him right now in heavenly places. That we are filled with the personal evangelistic power of the Holy Spirit. Then we will change our world. And we will no longer fall back into temptation. Many go to their friends and family thinking they would change them and fail dismally. And this does something to the spirit of evangelism within us. We harden our hearts. But Jesus in us will change them. Once we are changed by Him. Then we will be heard as they see and hear Jesus in us. As I sit and learn of Jesus, I become more secure in the identity that He paid the price for me to have. And I feel secure to share with them that which is most important. Everything comes from identity and position in Christ. That's how Jesus could say to Matthew, Come, follow me. He knew who he was. Wait a minute. So what am I saying? Am I hurt because of past failures? Am I, am I insecure because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know who Jesus was? Am I a failure at sharing the gospel because I have hardened my heart? That which is precious to me is locked away in a place that no one will ever see. But Jesus set me free. Colin, come here. I got a message for you, man. Will you help me open my box? Jesus has set me free. He set you free. You don't need to hide what's in your box. I don't even remember the code because it's been so long. Brother, will you hold my Bible? This is... The word of God for me is who I am. Jesus said that we are meant to be lights, not hidden under a bushel. I'm going to choose today to not let my light hide anymore. 
Because Jesus is worth it all. Will you hold my light? I'm pretty salty in that box. Because Jesus said I am. Man, I want to bring so much flavor to you, you have no idea. And last but not least, Colin, Jesus died for me, man. And he died for you too. And on here is some messages, some scriptures. I want you to find one person and you go and share that with them now. You go and tell them those scriptures for me. Give my friend a clap. He gave his life to Jesus and he's going to go and do it too. And you know what, Colin? If they don't accept it, Jesus does. And he's up there cheering you on. And you go to the next one. And you go to the next one. And you go to the next one. And you know what? I've got 50 of them here, mate. If you want to go to 50 people today, I'll give you 50 of them. Like seriously, guys, we've got to get over ourselves. Jesus died so I didn't lock my heart in a box. Jesus died so that I would give my all for him. So that everyone else in this community and beyond will come to know him. You might earn $50,000 this year. You might give five or 10,000 of that away. But could you invest 3,000 of that to go overseas and share the gospel? Could you give $500 to bless someone else to go and share the gospel? To find a creative way to go and share with someone whose heart is so locked up? Can you be like my friend and just invite someone to church so that they can come and hear about Jesus? You see, it's not hard. It's not hard. You just need to know it's who you are. You sit at the feet of Jesus and you'll know pretty sure. You might not have had the the blindness like Paul. But you were blind and you could not see. The scriptures will open your eyes up to God's heart for the world. And he will send you into all that you're called to be. Give Colin a clap. Take my Bible now. Bless you. My conclusion is this, and I've taken all of James's time, but I don't care. Because my heart was more important, and I needed to unseal that box. Your heart is more important. You need to unseal that box. Whatever offense you've got locked up, whatever dogma you've got in your mind that holds you back, whatever you believe about yourself is untrue. It is a lie from the devil himself. Jesus died to set you free. Jesus died so that he had the privilege to call you his brother and sister. Jesus died so that the father can call you his son and daughter. Jesus died so that you could spend an eternity getting to know him. And in Isaiah 58, 6, it says, Is not this the fast that I choose? 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo, undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. It is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You could fear that something is going to come upon you. But when you put the Lord first, when you put His mission first, the promise of Isaiah is He becomes your rear guard. No spring attacks because God is there. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for open hearts, softened hearts, I pray, Lord God, that we would have an afternoon of reflection with you in the quiet place. That your Holy Spirit would open us up so much that we would become radical for you. That we would become Jesus freaks. That the radical love of God would radicalize us in such a way that we would find the best way to win those dearest and nearest to us but lord let us not be comfortable with that let us get a heart for mission judea samaria and the ends of the earth lord that is our heart today give us a heart for the one may we win them to christ may we teach them to win others to christ and may we see your kingdom established now in Jesus name amen amen thanks James hey guys if you want a bookmark you're more than welcome to have one just come and get one and pass it on to someone else at the end all right yeah amen yeah it's awesome um music team come and ushers can you come and take up our tithes and offerings for us as well um, guys, a few announcements for us.